Welcome back, loyal listeners. Welcome, new listeners, to Runkle Recaps, How I Met Your Podcast. This is Season 4, Episode 14, The Possimple Hi, Jen. Hey, Steve. Okay, this was a good episode. It was. I don't really have any trivia up front, do you? Any news or anything like that? No, I haven't heard any news lately. No, that's not true. I did see a tweet from, I want to say it was probably Carter, Craig Thomas. I think it was Craig Thomas who had tweeted out that I think both him and Carter Bates had met with the cast of How I Met Your Father. So that's kind of fun. Yeah, they've listed out the cast of How I Met Your Father. I didn't really know anybody except for the star of it. Mm-hmm. So. Right, but it seems like maybe it's it's moving forward, and so maybe we'll see it you know, sometime soonish. There are a lot of news things coming out about How I Met Your Father, but everything I read, it's just clickbait. It's not very useful new information. Okay. They still don't even have a date as to when they're going to probably start. They even even really mentioned a year yet. So, okay, we'll wait. No big deal. Uh, see, that's why maybe I need to look up that tweet again because it made it set. Yeah, and maybe it was virtually, but uh, yeah, my impression was that it was like on set somewhere, but maybe that was just me making assumptions. Okay, they might be starting to tape episodes. But if it's... Do we know what it's going to be on? Is it Hulu? I think Hulu. So if it's Hulu, that means that they're going to record all the episodes up front and then release right. them all at once. Right. Which means we'll probably wait longer, even though it might only be 10 episodes or something. Right. And we still haven't decided what we're going to do about it. Are we going to podcast about it? Are we going to... I mean, it might just turn out that it's much later on and we're on season seven and it'd be nice to get a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll just yeah, we'll see what's going on when it premieres. I think you know if it's halfway decent, it would be fun to do an episode by episode recap. I'd say yeah, let's we'll definitely do the pilot and then we'll see how much we like it. Right. Because if we don't like it, then we might not want to unless we don't want to just make fun of it. Right. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. We got a couple messages. One, I'll, I'll keep the name out. They reached out to us privately on Twitter, so that's I didn't get the sense that this was to be shared, but for. Since we started, or since early on, someone had written to us a couple times offering to co-host an episode with us, and saying that they were big fans of the show, and I suggested, you know, start writing in your takes to us if they're interesting or funny, or, you know, if you have a different take or add something to it, then we'll certainly consider having you on an episode, especially if we're reading your takes, kind of like we do with Danielle. Danielle has not asked to be on the episode, but if we could figure out how to do it, we'd probably welcome her for maybe her favorite episode if it hasn't already happened or whatever favorite episode she has left that we haven't done yet. That being said, the person that wrote to us a couple times, they just wrote to us again and again offered to record with us on one of our episodes. And then they asked, are you folks still recording new episodes? And so I get the sense that they're not our biggest fan <laughs> if they weren't even sure if we were still recording episodes. So uh, I will respond to them privately back. But if they do start listening again, just so you know, yeah, yes, we are recording new episodes. <laughs> uh, maybe we need a visual component of this where we can hold up a newspaper and prove that we're in modern time. <laughs> any rate... <laughs> Danielle also wrote to us about last week's episode, Three Days of Snow. So I'm going to go ahead and read that since it was for last week. And, and it'll make more sense now than after we talk about the possimpable. I'm going to have trouble with the word possimpable, I think. It's a tricky one. I don't think we, they say it very often in this episode, thankfully. No. <laughs> All right. Danielle writes, 
Hey guys, I really liked this episode. She's of course referencing Three Days of Snow. And totally teared up when Lily was sitting there alone. The marching band scene was really sweet. Yeah, that was a good scene. I I didn't get emotional about it, but I do I agree with her. That was that was a well done scene. Mm-hmm. Definitely. She goes on. I'm also really happy Barney and Ted didn't get caught. I was really nervous and forgot how that ended. Well, we don't really know how that ended. We don't know what shape the bar was in when Carl got back to it. I mean, there's no repercussion, so Correct. presumably it wasn't that bad. It must have been. Carl said he was going to be back in five minutes. The whole place was a mess. <laughs> they, I think it was a little bit of shortcut writing that, okay, we're not going to deal with the consequence of this. I suppose. We forgot <laughs> to talk about that last week. Right. So thank you, Daniel, for bringing that up. Yeah, true. She writes, I don't know if I have a favorite. They were pretty good. I think my favorite would be Marshall telling Ted and Robin, <laughs> telling Ted that Robin hit on her, which was my favorite. <laughs> right. Or the combination of the three jokes. The worst joke would have been when Robin ignores Marshall and they get snowed in. I hate that trope because it's never convincing. Love you. It wasn't that. <laughs> you didn't care for that either. No, that wasn't my worst, although I, I don't think I was a huge fan of that scene. But Right, no, I don't think it made your worst, but yeah, I think you complained during the scene that you didn't like it. I can't remember. I haven't, li- I haven't re-listened to that one yet. <laughs> okay, let's jump into the possible. We start off in the apartment. They're all sitting around and going through, I guess, mail that was sent to Robin from her old news station, Metro News 1, where they forwarded a whole bunch of stuff. She has more fans than Lily had thought. There's a joke by Ted that only 60% of them are prison inmates, which is followed up by Robin talking about how uh, she's passed her dating prisoners phase. Right. Jenna, you passed your dating prisoners phase? I guess it depends if you go to prison or not. Now is it? Jen has a checkered past with uh, bad boys from her late teens. I was going to say there's just one, but no, there were two. (laughs) (laughs) One was only in juvie that I know of. I don't know that he ever went to adult jail after that. (laughs) And then she ultimately married the ultimate bad boy, me. And And I I roll my eyes through the podcast. Is that going to (laughs) work? But I've reformed, thanks to her, I've reformed my ways. <laughs> You're no longer stealing mini TVs out of department stores. <laughs> we watched Unforgiven, and the main character by Clint Eastwood is someone that was, ref- you know, a, a murderer in the cowboy times that was reformed by his wife. And was he a murderer or an assassin? He wasn't even much of an assassin. I think he was a criminal in okay. a way, in the way that <laughs> cowboys, the bad guys, were criminals. Robbing trains and banks and okay. killing a lot of people and getting mad at a poker game and shooting people in the face and stuff. Okay, so he was a murderer. Okay. So <laughs> it really rang true that just like his wife reformed him, eventually you reformed me. <laughs> and I thank you for it. You're very welcome. The world is a safer place with a calm Steve. Indeed. Just got to get you off the whiskey. <laughs> I still drink whiskey, actually. That's funny. <laughs> that is my drink. Also part of... Unforgiven if you haven't seen it. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) In case people are just thinking I'm accusing you of being an alcoholic. (laughs) On the TV, while they're going through this, the mail and such, there's a lottery girl reading the lottery numbers. And then we get a a run of jokes by Barney doing the numbers and being snarky about the the girl on the the lottery number caller. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's clever in a Barney-esque way where he's got a little response for every number. It was good. I, I'm not going to go through it because 
I remember laughing at it a lot about 12 years ago. And when I saw it this time, I was like, yeah, that's still clever, but I didn't laugh. So yeah. I'm not going to repeat them all. There is a strange one where she says 45, and he talks about, you know, that's the number of minutes, yada, yada, and get her to his jacuzzi. Now, we, we know he doesn't have a jacuzzi. Yeah, I was wondering about that. And then, and the super big ball is, and Barney says, what happens after we get out of the jacuzzi? What up? I don't get that. The super big ball? Um, is it because it's... get that? <laughs> testicles swell in the jacuzzi? No, or? I think it's... I think it's implying the finish of the activity when they are Oh, done. like a bubble up of... Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't have, my brain wouldn't have gone there. The conclusion of their physical relationship, if you will. I wish he had called it a jacuzzi. <laughs> the narrator jumps in here. It, oh, we should also mention that when the, to back up just a little bit, that when the number caller, or I think they refer to her as a bimbo. The lottery girl? Yeah, lottery girl. Oh, sorry. I'm not sure where, does bimbo come later? I'm not sure. But Robin's very snarky about the girl. Mm-hmm. So that put a pin in that. Right. All right. The narrator comes in, talks about in the winter of 2009, Robin had been unemployed for months. Although she did get an audition, and when she went in, she felt really good about it. She was only supposed to be up against two other girls. Like <laughs> Barney, listening. Yeah, that was a good line. <laughs> so we get a flashback. She's in the lobby for the audition. And she introduces herself to the competition. Just the one. She's sitting next to two women. She only introduces herself to the one, and then the lady doesn't say anything in response. And so Robin kind of prompts her, like, okay, you are... And the lady takes offense. She's very (laughs) smug. She's... She really is for being in New York on an audition to assume that people in New York are going to know who she is. She's Rochelle Harper. We've obviously never spent any time in Denver. Yeah, the number one station of the Rockies for five straight years. Yeah, no one would know that. <laughs> Robin says that she was an anchor here in New York in Metro News 1, and the other competitor said she must have had a killer sign-off phrase. Well, and they seem impressed that she was an anchor, so apparently even Rochelle wasn't an anchor. That so. was my impression, although nothing she said about what she did was saying that she wasn't an anchor. Right... But she, just the way that she then says, like, oh, you must have a killer sign-off phrase. You would think if she was, she would be like, this one was mine. Well, that was like, the second competitor for the job, the one on the right. She was the one that said, you must have had a killer sign-off phrase. Oh, I thought it was her and then the other lady. Oh, no, you're right. In. I'm sorry. You're right. It was her. Okay. And so, yeah, she asked, and then the second lady gives the example, like Robert Walter Cronkite. Yeah, so Walter Cronkite was the news anchor in the 60s and 70s, probably all the way, possibly all the way back to the 50s. He famously cried on camera when we landed on the moon. I thought he cried when JFK died. Or maybe both. I think he cried a lot. <laughs> One big crybaby, that Walter Cronkite. You know, can you really be a responsible journalist if you're on air sobbing? <laughs> it's like Brian Williams or something. <clears throat> I don't know that he did that, but it sounds like something he would do. We're going to get a lot of angry emails. From Brian Williams? No, from Walter Cronkite Sands. <laughs> from his family. <laughs> So they want to know what hers is. Hers was just from all of us here at Metro News 1. Have a good evening. And the women demonstrably laugh at her. Yeah. Rude. They are definitely bitches. Yeah. As Lily says later. Very catty. And then Barney, we're back to real time. Barney says, mine is, from all of us here at Barney's apartment, get out. 
I like that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so we get, you know, Lily you know, calls them bitches and says, you know, you didn't let them psych you out, did you? And then we get a flash <laughs> to the interview where <laughs> Robin is, you know, giving her example copy and then gives her sign off, you know. <laughs> Have a good evening. Yeah, from all of us here at News 10, have a good evening. Now, we all already know this sign-off from the ones Jen did in early seasons. <laughs> I know, I had flashbacks. Or early like, episodes. Oh, yeah, that's how I used to end the podcast. how I met your podcast. <laughs> but it ends with, and may the road ahead be lit with dreams and tomorrows, which are lit with dreams also. <laughs> and then Ted goes, that's terrible and bad also. <laughs> but she wasn't done. Stand tall, New York. Trustworthy. Wait, wait, save it, because maybe we'll do that as your sign-off for old time's sakes today. <laughs> okay. All right, so at any rate, <laughs> she asked the group, I'm not going to get that job. Party goes, this just in. No. <laughs> so good. So they're back at the apartment. Ted's looking over Robin's resume and suggests that hers is too cluttered. Yeah, his is lean and mean. Robin comes back at him that, you know, why you have a lot of irrelevant things on yours, like program director. 88-1 Wesleyan University Radio, <laughs> and Marshall and Lily come in and school us on the fact that Ted was a radio host called Dr. X. And they are aghast that he's <laughs> bragging about this. So he was a host of this program, and it sounds obviously like it was a pirate channel or pirate station that only if you were very close to the campus you'd be able to get it wasn't. It didn't sound like he was actually a scheduled show on the campus radio, right? But if he's saying he was the program director for the radio station... <laughs> yeah, that's why I wonder. I mean, could he have been exaggerated on the... Because I always got the impression that he was some sort of rogue radio host. No, I, I mean, maybe. You but think that, it was sanctioned by the school? Yeah. Yeah, I think they just gave him, like, you know, whatever time slot it was that nobody That's cared funny. about. funny. I never thought about it that way, that he was actually had his own show. And yeah, that it was it just a shitty show. Okay. <laughs> well, Robin wants to know who is Dr. X. Ted gets very wistful. Nobody knows. <laughs> Marshall and Lily are so good in this scene. It was Ted. His identity remains a secret to this day. It was Ted. It was okay, so this makes more sense to me now because... He's claiming credit for being program director, but not for being Dr. X. Mm-hmm. Okay, the whole time I thought, why are you being mysterious about Dr. X when you're talking about being Dr. X? <laughs> but no, it was really just that he was supposedly the program director for that show, and Dr. X was a mystery. Okay. <laughs> I was, I've always had that wrong in my head. Uh, okay. Yes, the Phantom of the Airwaves changed the very face of college radio. It was Ted, and your show sucked. Yeah, they're really hard on him. <laughs> And then we get a flashback to 1998, where Marshall and Lily are in their dorm room listening to Dr. X for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah, they're just to make fun value. of Ted. Dr. X is saying if they knew where he was, they'd shut him down. <laughs> and so, Marshall and Lily are kind of yelling at the radio. Right. And now he's talking about getting a lot of letters about his segment on how racist the school's meal plan is. So this is where it gets a little confusing, because... Lily and Marshall are like, how are they sending you letters if they don't know where you are? But they'd be sending it to the station. But Dr. X is pretending that he's in a secret location. Okay, but it's still, they'd be sending letters to the radio station that would get, like, he can't just steal a microphone and get on 
the campus radio. <laughs> I think the point is Ted was not good at this, and it doesn't make any <laughs> sense. <laughs> okay, I'll accept that. But he's talking about, he's getting a lot of letters on his segment on how the racist, how racist the school's meal plan is. Now, can you, I can't guess at how a meal plan would be racist unless it was just straight up, you know, only white people get meal plans or it's, I, I mean, I, I gave wonder. some thought to this. Okay, good. So. You're good at this stuff. <laughs> this is pure speculation, but maybe if the meal plan is only offering very traditional American food, so like only cheeseburgers and macaroni and cheese and like very yeah, it's it's a stretch. <laughs> but that's the only thing I could really No think hot sauce, of. only mayonnaise as a side, yeah. as a condiment. Maybe not even any pizza. Okay. That sounds pretty good. So Dr. X is organizing a happening. I've never heard of a happening before this episode. No, I think that's a Dr. X only <laughs> event. <laughs> I bet I don't know. This sounds like a terminology and someone would have used during protest times. Yeah, I mean, I guess... Especially on a campus. I guess they were they were in school in between when you and I were in school. So were there happenings when you were in college? No, not that I recall, but I was not at a very political college. Right, nor I, and I don't recall any happenings. So maybe this was like a late 90s It might have been a Wesleyan thing. Maybe people <laughs> maybe. were having happenings at Wesleyan. But at any rate, he's having a happening outside the dining hall Monday at midnight. It's high time the food service puppet masters took ignorance and injustice off the menu. And then we get a guy breaking in that they need a fourth for foosball. <laughs> Which, yeah, re-identifying he's next to the game room. And he hushes them. And then he has a sign out. Better than Robbins, even. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, he's encouraging them to go to the Dr. X happening. He'll be there because X marks the spot. Ot, ot, ot. And if he thought people liked to show, they did not. Ot, 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 according to Marshall. I love he's that really line. Mean. <laughs> but I, love, I don't know why it's so silly, but I really like that line. Barney discovers that within her fan mail, there's a letter from the U.S. Department of Immigration from two months ago. I mean, yeah, I'm trying to figure out how this would have went to her work. Like, I guess through the work to... visas through the work, so maybe... I guess, but you would think they would have to have a home address if you're on a visa. Well, you would hope they would get registered mail so that she'd sign off on it and they right. knew that she actually got it. See, this is why the show's so subversive. They're the first ones to really take on immigration um, That's not issues. true at all. Seinfeld. Oh, Babu. yeah, that's right. Babu. Babu Bot. Um, Babu did not have to sign off so on his immigration papers. If either. not for Seinfeld and How I Met Your Mother, would we really know much about the issues with immigrants? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, now we do. It's all over the place. But really, this brought it to the forefront. Robin and her Canadian. Steve, you're making everyone really uncomfortable. <laughs> all right. So she might get kicked out of the country if she doesn't get a job in the next seven days. There's a suggestion maybe Ted can, Ted says maybe they can help her find a job. Mar- Lily suggests the same, but according to Marshall, uh, she has to get a job in her field. He thought maybe if she married a U.S. citizen, and as he's saying this, Barney stands up and steps forward and starts to go down to one knee. <laughs> right. And then that gets thrown out. No, not enough time. Right. So Robin's 
upset. You know, she's been sending out her reel for months, and she's not getting any bites. So they decide to, you know, check it out, see what's going on. You know, maybe they can have some suggestions to help. We get a young Robin in a blizzard, and they have some fun with this, you know, Canada in August. (laughs) (laughs) But I like her saying, the first thing is from when I was a cub reporter for Channel 22 in Red Deer. Everyone has a blank face. In Alberta, everyone still has a blank face. In Canada. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So she's covering Lake Athabasca's bass fishing jamboree in August 1st tradition. So we get, of course, a blizzard in August 1st in Canada. Right. Barney does not understand why this is in her reel. Marshall understands a little bit, you know, because where you're from is part of what you're selling. He puts on his resume that he was the 1995 Nicolette County Slam Dunk champion. Ted scoffs that that's on his resume and Marshall says, wouldn't you? A lot of companies have basketball teams. That's a good point. Yeah, I think that that's fair. It's good for them to know that Vanilla Thunder can still rock, <laughs> take the rock to the hole. So now we hear the first reference to Vanilla Thunder. <laughs> right. Which I have to you know, nitpick this argument. Just because you were the champion in 1995 has no bearing on whether you can still do that. True. But his first point of companies having yes, basketball yeah, teams yeah. is good. Absolutely. <laughs> Rob goes, they called you Vanilla Thunder. Ted and points out. more nicknames can't. that I don't understand. Maybe I don't watch basketball, <laughs> or are they well, just they try bad? to build a joke out of saying Vanilla Thunder, Ghost in the Post, the human turnstile. I didn't play that much D. It, it, somehow they're all pointing to the fact that he was always up by the basket that they were scoring on and not going back to defend. Okay. But I'm not quite sure how each of those. I mean, the Ghost in the Post means that he's always at the post, which means by the basket they're trying to score on. Okay. Um, the human turnstile. Uh, yeah, I don't know that one. A turnstile is a thing that like, spins that around. He's like, like the trying metro. to guard somebody and he's just not good at it. Like so, they're going around him. Oh, okay, maybe that's it. Yeah, I like that. Okay, you just outsported me. Good job. <laughs> I was I was never on a basketball team. I was on a f- football team, but I missed a lot of the rehearsals. So, <laughs> did they get new costumes? No, we had to play in old costumes. Oh, yeah. So. Marshall contends that he can still dunk, or he could, but he was recently injured. We get a flashback to him and Lily at the doctor's office, getting an official diagnosis. Iliapsuous tendonitis. Lily's worried about it, and the doctor reassures her by saying it's more commonly known as dancer's hip. And then then the doctor just started laughing at him. (laughs) Marshall goes, oh, come on! (laughs) And he tries to go with the official diagnosis. that's, That's what it's called. He's claiming it's a basketball injury. No big whoop. And then Lily spills it to the gang that Marshall has something called dancer's hip. Then we get a whole slew of masculinity shaming, but it's good, so I'm going to read it. Really? I mm, okay. I liked it. I didn't like a lot of it, but... <laughs> he says it's very common in ballet dancers, and then he immediately regrets it. I like Robin's... Do any of the other little girls in your class, class dancers have? Right, that one I did like. <laughs> I also like Ted's, is it easier to dance when you don't have external external genitalia? I don't like that one. Okay. I do like Marshall's response, which is, yeah, don't build to that. Just go right for it. <laughs> I didn't like Lily's last trip to the gyno one. Right. All right. Barney cuts in. He thinks that Robin needs a more awesome video resume like his, and so he puts his up. And then we get a it's great scene. Just amazing. <laughs> I, I tried to. 
I tried to explain it, but I don't know that I, I could. All right, let's, let's try and go through this one in a way that we might be able to actually express how funny it was. We get an explosion. And if you want to see it without having to walk, go back to the show. I do believe that Barney's video resume.com is still up with that oh, video on it. Oh, I forgot to it. check that. That's funny. At any rate. So, yes, there's a big explosion, and then Barney's name just Coming kind of up rises. in a sunrise. <laughs> and then it's Barney sitting and reading in a tux with reading glasses on. Now, I didn't catch this, but it was in the trivia that apparently he was reading the bro code. Oh, I don't know how you could have seen it. I don't know. I didn't go back to double check. And I, yeah, I read that after I had finished the episode, but that's so, what it says. So we have someone interviewing him from off screen saying, you've achieved great success in business, athletics, and personal relationships. <laughs> when is, well, I, let's not go back and question these, the facts of these. Obviously, he's got no achievements in athletics. Well, he ran the marathon without training for oh, it. Oh, okay. Damn. You're on tonight. <laughs> And Ted's so great in this. Yeah. Is oh, that definitely. you? Are you interviewing yourself? And Barney, you know, blows him off. No, that guy's British. <laughs> and then the interviewer goes, what would you recommend in your numerous admirers who want to reach their highest potential? And a wee bit Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it justice. My rogue was off. <laughs> I said it after he said it after I was rewatching. I was like, oh, I got it. Nailed it. I'm going to be able to do it on the podcast. Oh. And I lost it. That's how quickly it so, goes away. Pretend Steve did a Scottish accent. What would you? So then it cuts to Barney on a motorcycle talking about success and Ted. (laughs) He's just it's it's a whole bunch of word soup, right? With inspirational talk, it's really just a state of mind. Ted wants to know if he had to be on a motorcycle to say that line. Barney goes on, and he now he's standing in front of a horse, brushing it. (laughs) Marshall's got a good line. I didn't know you knew how to stand near a horse. That's impressive. Lily throws out that he's not doing anything, and Barney says that's the point. Doing things gets you fired. They want people that um, seem like bold risk takers but never actually do anything. Now, this is just not true in the business world, but I think in the <laughs> never world worked of— worked in corporate America, so I couldn't say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as having worked in corporate America for a while, this is not the case. But in the world of How I Met Your Mother, it is. I get it. <laughs> And then he says that he's writing a book on this very phenomenon. Marshall goes, Marshall bites. You really? You're writing a book? No, that would be doing something. <laughs> That's such a good exchange. It's so sitcom-y, but it was worth it. So video Barney, all his life he's dared to go past what is possible to the impossible. To actually pass that. <laughs> to the place where the possible and the impossible meet. To become the possimpable. So we get, there we get the name of the episode. Does this make any sense to you? Like, no. this is just pure gibberish, Yeah, right? it's like, gibberish. Okay. <laughs> this isn't some high-minded corporate <laughs> strategy that I don't understand? No, no. <laughs> I've seen some pretty ridiculous stuff in, in business meetings and sales meetings and such, and people trying to... Do people exp- make up words? No, but they say super a lot. Yay, I love super. <laughs> Do they talk about vertical integration? <laughs> this client is super excited to get this this uh, project started. It's a million times. A million supers. Is, I'm sure this has come up before, but Steve hates when people say super. Even though it is a very valid adverb. Yeah, I, I ate my words a little bit when I heard an interview with Bill Gates where he kept saying the word super. But I think he was trying to be relatable. <laughs> Also, he's a computer guy. It doesn't mean he's a high-minded language guy. 
But at any rate, stop saying super people. And also 100%. <laughs> Steve hates that, too. All right. Then we get the exit song. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could figure out how to clip it in, because it's so good. Yeah, if I'm able to clip it in, it'll be right here. Bonnie Bonnie That's not it. <laughs> I mean, here. And if not, then we'll keep going on. But it's so good. Ted cuts in. <laughs> Are you, is that you again? Are you singing about yourself? And then the song Barney essentially says, responds. Yeah, Barney says, absolutely not. That would be lame. And even the, in the song, it says, this is not him singing this. <laughs> that would be really lame. And then there's just a bunch of awesomes. Apparently got 11 job offers from this. They're making fun of it, but then Robin cuts in, maybe one. Yeah. She's, She's desperate. She's willing to try anything. And then we get a creepy line from Barney that there's a lot to shoot, and I don't think I can use any of the footage I already have of you. Yeah, yeah. Typical Barney stuff. Maybe had Lily and Marshall at the bar, and Marshall's looking kind of sulky, and Lily asks if it's you because they keep making fun of him about his injury. Hold on a second. Marshall has something he needs to tell her, and it sounds like he's got something really dark inside of him that he needs to get out. <laughs> it's, he gets very somber. I dance more than you know. So he confesses to her that when no one's around, he sometimes dances. <laughs> like her... I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> she acts like he's telling her he had an affair. Right. Then we cut to Barney's apartment, and Robin's set up in front of a green screen, and Barney's interviewing her. Yeah, he's trying to direct her to just say buzzwords. Synergy, that was the word I was trying to think of. Do you talk about synergy in your meetings? No, I think we probably used to until everyone started making fun of the fact that everyone says synergy too much. <laughs> synergy used to be the super of business talk. Robin doesn't want to go along with Barney's plan, but he kind of scares her by pointing out that she'll just be back in Canada covering a, another fishing tournament. So Robin goes forward and just says a bunch of words. You know, Barney gives her an example of, link, what's it, linktivity? Linkativity. L- linkativity of combinations of words she could use. So she uses connectitude. She's just speaking right into the camera. Transfer, transformation. And then she tries to use linkativity. He's like, yeah, linkativity is <laughs> mine. I like the little fact that he doesn't want her stealing that. Right. And then we're back to the bar. and Very petty. Yes. William Marshall are talking more about the dancing. <laughs> I love this. So how much are we talking about? I don't know. I guess I'd say medium. <laughs> There's such a nothing burger conversation, but... Like, the way he says medium is just... <laughs> right, it's very funny. Just counter to the the darkness that, <laughs> of how they set up this conversation. Right, at least it's, why are you dancing so much? Why don't I know about it? This doesn't really go anywhere. It doesn't, but it's still pretty funny. But, we yeah, so we get an example of they got a half day at work, and I guess this is how he actually injured himself, as he was dancing to celebrate and fell. Yeah, you... When they said dancer's hip, you would think it's something that's happening over time. From overuse? Yeah, like a tennis elbow or something. Yeah. But this he, made it seem like Yeah, as soon as he closed the door and starts dancing, he just falls into something. Right. Maybe it eventually gave out from all the dancing. Oh, could be. I like that. Well, you could have written this episode. <laughs> and we're back at Barney's apartment. Robin's out in, I guess, a karate outfit? 
and before he must have had her in an Amazon warrior princess armor. And now he's telling her it's time that she conveys power. He needs her to break 15 bricks with her forehead. <laughs> she complains that he didn't do any of these kind of things in his video. He's saying he didn't have to, but she's a woman. She needs to overcome female stereotypes and show that, you know, she can do things. Right. Prove society wrong. Right. Robin points out she cannot break 15 bricks with her <laughs> forehead. One of my favorite lines, it's not 1950 anymore. Yes, you can. <laughs> And Robin just I didn't do bails. it justice, but that line just kills me every time right. I see it. It's very good. Yeah. Robin bails. She's going to go try something else. And then we get a her. cut to her walking into the Lottery Girl auditions. We're at the audition. We get, we get these two guys that are conducting the audition and telling her, giving her direction. And we'll call them Lottery Guy 1 and Lottery Guy 2. So Lottery Guy 1 seems like a fairly nice guy. I didn't put lottery guy, but I just put one and two. Okay. <laughs> thing one and thing two? <laughs> Essentially, yes. But lottery, lottery guy two really doesn't like her from the get-go. And he doesn't talk. He like only whispers. Yeah, he sort of whispers through the other guy, and he <laughs> yeah. makes this face, this sort of sitting, frowning face. As soon as he sees her, he just his the sides of his mouth go down. <laughs> So their first direction to her is, say the line before you press the button. It builds suspension. And then Lottery Guy 2 goes, oh, yeah, it builds suspense. Lottery Guy 2 goes, it builds suspense. And then the first guy, it builds the suspense. (laughs) It's just the mouthpiece for the two of them, I guess. So Robin announces the 17. And Lottery Guy 2, stop her. What? (laughs) Why did she say it like that? It's like she's not even happy about the 17 coming up. She seems mean. <laughs> and I don't know how, but we we say this line a lot, and I don't know. I, I can't even think of an example of why we would ever say this, <laughs> like how it ever relates to our actual life. You're right. I don't know how we fit it in, but sometimes we just do. <laughs> and then you'll like this line by Lottery Guy 1. <laughs> yeah, she seems super mean. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's like they're taunting me. <laughs> So they ask her to say it again. She does. <laughs> Lottery guy, too. I don't even understand what she's doing. <laughs> Try being a little more wry. So for those who don't know, wry means dry with, like, mocking humor. It just doesn't fit here. <laughs> wry with a, with a twinkle. Robin says, you want me to be wry about the number 17? <laughs> she tries. And then number two just shakes his head no. So poor Robin, her last-ditch effort has not gone well. Oh, these guys were so good. <laughs> Where'd they find them? I, the guy on the—actually, they both looked a little familiar. I should have looked at what they've been yeah, in. Yeah, I but. meant to look—the guy on the right did look very familiar. All right, we'll pull up IMDb very quickly. So number two, the actor's name is Regan or Reagan Burns. Recently, or over time— Things we might know him from are he's a comedy bang bang guy. He was in one episode of, of New Girl, and he was a casting director. I guess he's oh, this really type typecasting. Yeah, I don't recognize him. I guess maybe I just recognize him from watching this episode so many times. An episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Hmm, just been in a million things, and he was on a curb. Yeah, he's just a serial guest star kind of guy that. We've probably seen half a dozen times, and his face just kind of sticks. 
they they simply refer to him as the producer, his character name. And then the other guy, number one, is referred to as the director. <laughs> he directs the lottery <laughs> And this segments. is, yeah, I guess so. His, his, this actor is Seth Morris. He was on a lot of episodes of Veep. Yeah, he was on about ten episodes of Veep. Bill Yeager. We never finished Veep, did we? No, we did. We did? Yeah. I remember we did because I, th- I was pretty sure... Because I had read some news that I thought spoiled that she died in the end, and so I kept waiting for her to die. <laughs> and then the end came and she didn't. And so I, I did get closure on that miscomprehension. Uh, in The Good Place? Yeah, it was on just a few episodes of The Good Place over time. Hmm. Wallace? I don't remember the Wallace character. He was on A Modern Family. Looks like he was a Upright Citizens Brigade member. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So nothing, nothing too glaring. We'll move on. Rebecca McLaren's. Ted brings Marshall a light beer because he knows how you dancers are always counting calories. Marshall comes back that he, it's, it's serious he might need surgery. I kind of like Ted's vaginal rejuvenation surgery. Maybe, maybe I, it doesn't age as well, but I really liked it when it came out. It, it still kind of tickled me a little bit. I didn't, but I like Marshall's response because it's so stupid. <laughs> Who didn't do a lot of operating on vaginas in college? Dr. X. <laughs> Ted. He did just fine. <laughs> and Lily's just done with both of them. They both need to take the lame-ass crap off of their resume. And then they point out her winning a hot dog eating contest that's on hers. And we get a flashback of her winning the contest. It's way back to 95, so she must have been in high school at the time. She stands up after the win, and she's got a huge baby bump, mm-hmm. which was really the the actress, Alison Hannigan, being pregnant, both in that scene and then when they redo it right. in modern. Yeah, it's a cute use of the pregnant belly. Yeah, I thought that was, that, was, that was good. But Marshall claims that she cannot eat that many hot dogs anymore. She goes, well, you can't dunk anymore, lady hips. <laughs> and then Robin enters and... Tells him, you know, she couldn't even get the lotto girl job. She's going to have to move back to Canada. Yeah, she's very defeated here. It's just over. And then Barney comes in and is informed that she has to move back to Canada. Barney feigns disinterest and then says, you know, how awful. I mean, for one thing, it's going to be a really long commute. And then he takes her through that he sent. He recut the video or he cut the video up. Mm-hmm. And then sent it to all the stations in the city. There's a lot of ups and downs in this story. Where Channel 8. Loved her, wanted her to audition. Barney told them no. She don't. She don't audition. But she he got, didn't get the job. <laughs> she still didn't get the job. He cussed Barney out and hung up. <laughs> then she got a, an offer without an audition. He turned that down. They offered more money, 10% more, and now she's going to be on Channel 12, their new morning talk show. Everyone celebrates. Billy teases Marshall about whether he's going to dance or not. And Robin seems genuinely affectionate towards Barney. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, he got her a job. She can stay. It was a very tender moment, if you will. And then our end credit scene. (laughs) Well, first, the narrator says everyone fix their resume and they show it. Like on Ted's resume, he has supervising lifeguard. And in the lines following supervising lifeguard says zero fatalities. All right, good job, Ted. But it's also a call forward to when they get him to dye his hair blonde. They're like, I couldn't picture you with blonde hair. And he says, oh, when I was a lifeguard one summer, I added a little lemon juice to the old mop and brought out some natural <laughs> blonde. Nice. So uh, it, 
they do refer back to him being a lifeguard again. Okay. Lily breaks her record, so she's updating it that she broke the record. Right, so at McLaren's, they do for, a hot dog eating contest, I get, or just for Lily to see how many she can eat, and she, yeah, she... she oh, so it wasn't even a contest, maybe it was just... I didn't see any other competitors, so... They could have walked out by them, but... <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but yeah, so and we got Marshall deleting off his slam dunk thing off his resume, and then it's funny that Lily just updates hers with her new record. Mm-hmm. And the final sign-out is... Go ahead. <laughs> so Ted's in... It's 1998. Yes, it's 1998 in front of the cafeteria, I guess. Dining hall. Dining hall, thank you. Um, And Ted's... You didn't really go to college, did you? (laughs) I didn't live on campus. Oh, that's right. Um, Plus, the meal plan was racist, so you didn't want to participate (laughs) in that. Yeah, I had to buy all my food like a sucker. I didn't get a meal plan. Um, So Ted is in all black with... I get, what does he have, like a mask with an X? Yeah, a ski over mask pulled down oh, okay. with an X over it. <laughs> and he has a sign. Oh, I didn't write down what the sign says. Did you? Something about the, you know, the meal plan being racist. And then clearly nobody's coming, and he gets all mad. Tears rips off. off his mask. Why is no one coming to my happenings? And kind of like <laughs> kicks at the ground. And we get <laughs> like, the, the great Ted college haircut. <laughs> right? The, the, <laughs> the mop. The curly, long... <laughs> New wave style, if you will. <laughs> and that's it. That's the episode. Uh, where do you think I ranked it? I don't know. I don't have my list. Oh, damn. I'm going to go with number 20. No, way off. I have it back at 58. Oh. I don't know. It's had so many things that we say. Well, yeah. <laughs> I have it squeezed right in between belly full of turkey and return of the shirt. Okay. To give you sort of a point of reference of, I think it's, I think it fits in between those two. Those two are really great episodes. This one's really great, but if you compare it to, you know, things above it, like... Aldrin Justice, Do Swarly. I Know You. Okay. Aldrin Justice, Swarley. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Game Night. All right. There's, it's it's hard to remember how many good episodes there are yeah. when you see a good one and it's not ranked all that great. What's your favorite joke or scene? I think I have to go with Robin's attempt at a sign-off that just <laughs> is just a mess. Okay. <laughs> Although I did have a couple contenders of Marshalls. They did not ought, ought, ought. I think my favorite is interviewer number two, all his line deliveries, <laughs> with a close second being Barney saying that it's not the 1950s anymore. She can <laughs> break I, those bricks. I also really liked Marshalls. I didn't know you knew how to stand near a horse. Yeah, you say that one a lot. <laughs> I think every time we see a horse, you say, you say that. I like it. <laughs> and least favorite? Is it easier to dance when you don't have external genitalia? I think it's Barney's footage line of, I can't use any of the footage I already have of you. Okay. All right. Tell people how they can reach us, find us. You can find us at Runkle Recaps on Twitter. Email us at runklerecaps at gmail.com or Instagram underscore how I met your podcast underscore. And I think you have to do the sign off. Oh, yeah. Yay. So good night, podcast land. May the road ahead be lit with dreams and tomorrows, which are lit with dreams also. Stand tall, trustworthy, recycling, wear a condom. Thank you, Jen. Just <laughs> so glad it's back. It's like a nice little flashback of our podcast history. So long, folks. Bye. Bye.
We did it, girl.